Welcome to My Zen Brain episode four with Andy, me, I'm your host, <laughs> uh, and this is the My Zen Brain podcast. Uh, welcome. How are you? How are you doing? Um, today, oh, uh, so I have uh, a little of uh, grunt work. Um, the My Zen Brain podcast, I'm going to be setting up a Patreon page for the podcast. On the Patreon page, I will be accepting donations, uh, so if I'm not mistaken, it's going to require a little bit of more of uh, me reading up on it, but uh, if I'm not mistaken, you can uh, become a one-time donator to the My Zen Brain podcast. You can be a recurring donator to the My Zen Brain podcast on a monthly basis. Uh, the donations... Uh, as I said, I'm not entirely sure how this is going to shake out, but if it's possible, I am going to set uh, the monthly membership at uh, $3, uh, $3 per month, $5 per month, whatever you're comfortable with. Um, it's This is a mo- this is a money-making scheme for me. This is uh, a time-consuming activity for me. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff that I want to uh, tell you all about. There's, I, I said uh, this much in my uh, initial, uh, the flagship episode of my Zembrain. I have a lot of uh, aspects of my recovery uh, from meditation to exercise to nutrition to uh, personal development, uh, the podcast, and my blog fall squarely into the category of things I would never have had time to do if I was still helpless drunk. I will also uh, have available, um, hopefully, I'm not entirely sure when, but I will have <clears throat> the my, my Zen Brain, uh, dot org, which is my blog, uh, integrated with the My Zen Brain podcast uh, eventually, but not right now. So, uh, without further ado, we welcome my guest for this episode, uh, my friend Forrest K. How you doing, Forrest? Great. It's good to see you. Hey, good to see you. <laughs> uh, so, the uh, if you haven't noticed yet. Uh, by the stuff that I've been doing for my Zen brain. Uh, the primary focus of uh, the podcast, or at least a primary focus of the podcast, is I hear in meetings uh, and my support group, my TBI support group, the coordinator of which I plan to have on here soon, I hope, I want to hear the stories. I really want to hear from the people in recovery themselves, and I want to hear from the TBI survivors themselves, mm-hmm. and I want to get the 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 nuts and bolts, the nitty gritty of uh, how in one in in a very noticeable uh, respect um, the what reading is it uh, what uh, what we used to be like what uh, what happened and what we are like now. Yeah. And that's essentially what uh, what I'm, I'm hoping uh, the interview portion of the My Zen Brain broadcast will be is talking to other people in recovery. And you uh, happen to be, uh, you're a twice qualifier. 
for being on my Zen brain because while you don't have a TBI, if you would like one, I can arrange uh, <laughs> that for, for that to happen. Uh, I do live on the third floor, so if you like, you know, we can, uh, I can toss you off the balcony or something like that. But uh, the uh, the Buddhism and the recovery uh, aspects of of who you are as a person <clears throat> and and uh, what got you here um, is what I'm interested in, in finding out. So. Um, Tell me a little bit about uh, when, I will start wherever you want to start uh, in telling me your story about uh, using that that eventually led up to, to you getting clean. Well, uh, I started using smoking pot really at a very young age. Uh, like how old? Uh, about uh, 12 years old. Okay. One of my older brothers smoked pot, you know, so there was kind of this thing of, you know, smoke pot with him, and, and, uh, and we grew up in the country at that point in time in, in New Hampshire. And we moved to Omaha when I was 15. Went to Benson High School, and said so, you you moved to Omaha when you were 15. You said? When I was 15. Okay. And uh, you know, pot and drugs were pretty big at Benson High School at the time. Uh, one of the things I one of the first uh, uh, visions I got of Benson High School was. Uh, uh, you know, I went there and I, we were we were driving by and I was looking at it and uh, you know up at the top it says Benson High. Pull this closer. Pull. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It says Benson High School on the front of it, and uh, someone had gotten up there with a ladder or something and spray painted the word "get" above "high." <laughs> Benson Get High School, <laughs> and that's kind of my experience with it. I mean, people smoke pot in between classes constantly yeah. in the restrooms, yeah. you know. Yeah. Just uh, you know, and you know, I, I was kind of. Uh, it's encouraging to know that that it, that uh, mine wasn't the only uh, school of higher education that we were, <laughs> we were getting started early. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I had a lot of problems too, you know. Uh, around high school time, you know. Uh, you know, I, I didn't really adjust very well. I wound up dropping out of school, you know. Uh, actually, I got caught smoking pot by a teacher, uh, and they walked over, and, and they said, they knew who I was, and said, Forrest, okay, get with me. And I just kind of flipped in the bird and walked off. <laughs> that, was, that was the end of... Uh, On school ground? Yeah, uh, yeah. Nice. <clears throat> nice. So, you know, but I had a lot of a lot of personal problems. Uh, uh, basically, I was suicidal and stuff. You know, off and on. Uh, As at fifteen. At uh, at more like seventeen, sixteen. I had a really bad LSD trip when I was seventeen. Kind of went into uh, went into my room and pretty much stayed there for a long time. You know, and like uh, days. Or for days. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, you know, I started having problems at a very young age. And I actually actually went into recovery at a pretty young age, too. Like, what was, what was the first, I mean, when was the first time you went to, uh, to treatment, to uh, rehab? You know, I went, to, uh, I went to my first AA meeting when I was 23. Okay. Uh, and actually, you know, I, long before that, I went to psychiatrists and things like that. You know, I had some mental health issues. Uh, and, and I went to my first AA meeting when I was 23. I want to talk a little bit about uh, uh, how I came to use Buddhism a lot in my recovery. I got interested in Buddhism back when I was in high school. 
Okay. You know, and really as a result of uh, smoking pot and using hallucinogenic drugs and kind of hanging out with sort of a contemplative couch potato type of crowd, you know. Okay. Uh, you know. And then after after high school, you know, I I immediately had problems with my addiction, you know, and uh, did you graduate from high school? You know, I didn't graduate. I got a GED, okay. and later on, I went to uh, college for a while. You know, for okay. for a few years off and on. Uh, did you get the GED right after high school, or did pretty quickly? Okay. Yeah, pretty quickly I did. But as a <clears throat> at the time, my friends and I were were reading uh, books by Carlos Castaneda. Uh, you know, I, I just got interested in uh, in the, the wisdom traditions and. In a way, and was reading a lot at the time, back when I was like 18, 19, you know, 17. And uh, one of the first books on Buddhism that I read was called uh, The Three Pillars of Zen by Philip Kaplow. And that's, uh, that's a really great book. I'd recommend it for anybody. You know, it's uh, 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 one of the parts of it is that it has all these stories of people having enlightenment experiences. Okay. And that's that's what makes it so uh, so good and so appealing. Sure, you know. And uh, <clears throat> and anyway, I uh, uh, I went to the Zen Center for the first time when I was uh, when I was nineteen. I really? Yeah. Wow. And uh, uh, and I didn't actually get along all that well with you know I I, I had a lot of problems. And now, of, when was this? This is in the. This was. Uh, uh, when I was 19. Uh, what year was it? Yeah, so uh, it would be uh, circa what yeah. time? Uh, it'd be 1980. Okay. The abbot at the time was uh, can't remember his name right now. Yeah, I I went to I went to the Zen <clears throat> Center probably twice uh, when uh, when it was it was before uh, Dogen. It was yeah. uh, It was when it was known in. and uh, he was a much more uh, he was you know but uh, and I sort of got got away from Buddhism and from my interest in meditation and things like that as a result of just really extreme drinking, you know, and I I traveled around the country, lived in various places, and uh, got into all kinds of trouble. You know, well, like um, where? I mean, this is, I mean, I, I, want, okay. I want to know about the nitty-gritty for us. Uh, right. Well, I, moved to, I lived in Denver for about five years. Okay. And... Uh, Lived in Seattle for a little while. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, lived in San Francisco for a little while. San Francisco and Seattle were part of a part of a trip where I was living in Denver. So I was living in Denver, and I decided to uh, to move to Seattle. You okay. know, but uh, uh, I caught a train to to uh, San Francisco, and I hitchhiked from San Francisco to Seattle, and uh, uh, started living in a kind of a youth hostel down there and you know, pretty quickly kind of ran out of money found out it was too expensive I was, I was drinking it's expensive to be a hippie in San Francisco yeah, man. I was drinking constantly you yeah, know, well, that, I was just, uh, that doesn't help the, that yeah. doesn't help the wallet yeah <laughs> you know so that was sort of a, a fiasco you know and I also moved to Tampa I lived there for a long time for seven years or something like that actually I lived there twice I got married down there and uh uh, I have a, a child that still lives there. I didn't know that. For so Forrest and I have known each other for 
six years or so. Yeah. Uh, we first met when we were both uh, pushing wheelchairs uh, for this company at uh, the airport here in town. Um, and uh, Joe Forrest was, uh, I th he was in and out of the program when I when I met you, but that was like six years ago. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I think, I don't know if you ever mentioned that you had a meditation practice when we both worked at the airport. Um, Probably not. And I don't think I knew. And I, I think I, I, I might have just found Buddhism uh, around the time that we met. So I didn't really know a whole lot about it. Uh, but anyway, so Forrest and I, Forrest and I have, have known each other for, for quite a little while. And um, I think once, uh, uh, once we discovered that we, we uh, shared the meditation practice, that's when uh, it kind of clicked for us. But anyway, sorry to interrupt you. But so uh, Florida, uh, you're living in Florida and you got married and you had a kid. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, the reason that I'm, I'm talking about all those stories is those are sort of, uh, you know, it really took me a long time to get serious about my meditation practice, you know, uh, as a result of my addiction, really, you know. And it was also, there was also this thing of my recovery was all about meditation. Uh, I want to talk about some experiences that I had that sort of led me to using Buddhism in my, in my recovery process. Uh, I had a heart attack about uh, a quadruple bypass operation about uh, nine years ago. And, and uh, you know, of course, I was in a lot of pain after that. You know, you can imagine. I mean, they, they sort of, they separate your, your chest plate, you know, cut it in half and, and kind of separate it out and work on your heart. Technically, you die in the process. And then they restart your heart, but they... It has to stop beating in order for them to work on it. But anyway, I woke up from that, and I was in really severe pain, you know, and uh, uh, and I was mostly just really feeling sorry for myself, you know, just oh my god, what a now how so unfair. Why did you have the heart attack? Oh, just probably smoking and okay, you know, eating improperly, and you know, I was fifty years old. I was going to say, so you're okay. Yeah, so I was, I was at the age, yeah, you know. prime prime candidate for uh, the first for the first life threatening <laughs> yeah physical ailment <laughs> yeah so uh, I was in the hospital and uh, uh, and and there was a there was a period of time it was a really short period of time you know it's hard to say how long it was it may have been just like uh, may have been as long as half an hour or it might have been one minute. You know, something like that. But I just uh, felt extremely grateful to be alive, mm -hmm. you know. And I was really clear in my mind about why that was. You know, I was really thinking really clearly about uh, how amazing life was, you know. Uh, how, how much of a miracle it is to be alive. And that really, that experience really got me back into Buddhism mm -hmm. in a big way, mm -hmm. you know. And I was, I was also sort of chasing the dragon with that experience, you know. Sure. Kind of like, uh, I can't remember exactly what it was like, you know, but uh, but I know that I had it, you know. And actually, I, I wrote down, there was like these, uh, at the bed of my hospital bed, there was uh, there were these napkins and stuff and a piece of and a pencil. So I wrote down a bunch of stuff that later on became one of my uh, essays that okay. I wrote, having my book and so forth. But uh, 
That uh, we should uh, we'll get the uh, remind me to uh, to plug uh, let you plug the book before uh, before this is over. Okay, okay. Uh, so so that was that was one experience, you know. And I was in recovery at the time, you know. I was actually at an AA meeting, and you know, I, I woke up before I had the heart attack. I there, I woke up, and my arm was asleep, and I couldn't seem to get it to wake up, you know. And I went to this morning. AA meeting at the 48th Street Club, and, and uh, you know, I was thinking, is it maybe I'm having a heart attack here, you know, and uh, during the middle of the meeting, I stood up and announced, well, I think I'm having a heart attack, so uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive to the hospital, <laughs> and they said, well, okay, have a nice day, <laughs> and that's what I did, wow. I just kind of drove over to, uh, good morning, <laughs> drove over to the, to, to, the, the, medic, to the medical center, the medical center, Right wow! And, uh, uh, <laughs> I gotta say, I have never, I have never <laughs> been in a meeting and somebody stood up to say, "Well, I gotta go to the hospital. I, I think I'm about to die." <laughs> <laughs> and I was kind of in denial of it. You sure. Know? I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, and actually, I, I uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I got there, you know, and uh, it really occurred to me, Jesus, I'm, I'm probably not gonna have a smoke in a long time. So, <laughs> The first thing I did was I had a cigarette, and you aren't allowed to smoke right there on the campus, you know. And, and uh, the, the person came up and talked to me and said, you know, hey, yeah. you know, you're not supposed to smoke here. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm, yeah, I think it's probably the last one I'll have for a long time, you know. So, <laughs> uh, but anyway, then I went into the went into the emergency room and passed out, and they put me on a stretcher and took me in and and. Uh, and then they did the bypass operation. Oh, wow. yeah. that's amazing. So how? I mean, so where where were you uh, in in your sobriety at this point? Uh, you know, I have relapsed uh, a lot of times. Yeah. You know, a lot of times I say it's a it's a, a record number. Like I've relapsed more than any person on, <laughs> on the earth. But I think that's that's probably not true. Probably not. But uh, you know, quite a few times. You know, and uh, I had a lot of you know six months recoveries and three months and one month and, mm -hmm. and i'm not sure exactly what place that was in it <laughs> you know, how many uh, how many times were that was yeah yeah but uh uh you know so i had that experience that sort of led me back to more of a spiritual approach to trying to stay sober and and to really, and I sort of got really got interested in recovery itself, in the process of recovery, and started thinking about that as also a, a spiritual, as right. sort of a wisdom tradition. Right. I think of I think of recovery in that way now. Recovery is a, is a spiritual is a wisdom tradition in the same way that uh, Buddhism or Taoism is. You know. Uh, now, what do you mean by a wisdom tradition? Well, wisdom tradition is, is just uh, anything that, uh, you know, that's just sort of a contemplative, spiritual type of thing. Uh, you know, some examples of that. It, it, and that can also include, like, Christianity, but uh, yeah. it mostly includes things like Buddhism, Taoism, Hinduism, you know, and some aspects of Hinduism. Not, uh, But so I got really interested in recovery and sort of using meditation in my recovery and sort of understanding that uh, that I was looking at uh, at life improperly 
you know, that I had a sort of a, I had a really bad, my entire problem with staying sober, with being happy, with all of it really is uh, I lack the proper perspective on things. Yeah. I think uh, that's pretty much true for, for the addict and the alcoholic in general, uh, but, but especially the ones who <clears throat> can't stay sober. I mean, they, they, I mean, you hear that all the time in the rooms, the, the adage, uh, madness, crazy is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting right. a different outcome. And I think that sobriety doesn't really kick, doesn't, you don't, it doesn't really click unless you, unless you get that it is fundamentally a perspective changer. Yeah. That That's what fun, fundamentally what sobriety yeah. is, is, is looking at everything in a completely new way. Yeah, I agree. You know, and actually the, the type of meditation that I present in, in these groups that I run is called Vipassana, which in Sanskrit means to see clearly. Uh, and it's, it's really all about sort of recognizing, just kind of changing your perspective, you know, and sort of seeing things that, that are completely obvious, you know, that are just sort of like, it's kind of like you, and recovery is a lot like that. A, recovery in AA is a lot like that, where you, uh, uh, you know, you, you sort of realize that, uh, you know, like, for example, you, you gain this realization that you're an alcoholic. And it's kind of like when that, and you can't really put your finger on exactly when that happened. It was kind of like, how could I have not known this? You know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. isn't, isn't it obvious? You yeah. know, uh, you know. Yeah. Well, my experience, my experience was, uh, it was kind of similar. I simultaneously realized I'm an alcoholic and I don't give a shit all at the same time. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I want to talk about another experience that I had that sort of led me to, to Buddhism. Uh, uh, one day I was, I went to an 11 o'clock uh, AA meeting, 11 p.m., kind of a midnight meeting, you know, and I was, uh, but, uh, Oh, the recovery zone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember that place. But I was driving home from that and, uh, uh, didn't have to go to work the next day. So I was just kind of, it's kind of taking my time, you know, and I, I was driving down 84th street and I, I came across what can be best described as a, a raccoon funeral. Basically what it was, was, uh, there was a raccoon that was dead that had been hit by a car in the middle of the street. And there were several other raccoons that were around it, standing around it. And I, I pulled over the car and turned out the lights and backed up a little bit and uh, kind of watched them for a few minutes. And, uh, uh, and they were kind of, they appeared to be communicating with each other. And at one point, uh, a couple of times they touched it. They touched the dead animal, you know. It was really apparent to me that they were mourning at the time. As I sat there in the car, I just sort of, I kind of realized, you know, it was like, uh, it was it was sort of a, kind of an epiphany. It was sort of this thing where it was kind of like what I was talking about with the recovery stuff, where uh, how could you have not known this? But I just sort of realized all of a sudden, I had a period of insight where, uh, I knew that I needed to get deeper into my meditation practice, that I needed to stay sober, that I needed to treat uh, people and the earth better. Uh, wow. That. Uh, How old were you when this, when this, when you had this experience? 
Uh, this was about five years ago. <clears throat> wow. Uh, and also that uh, that I can no longer eat mammals. These days I eat poultry and fish, but I don't eat mammals. And, you know, that was just sort of a kind of a, a real kind of experience for me, you know. And it was really subtle. You know, it wasn't like, uh, you know, it wasn't any kind of a uh, burning bush sort of experience. You know, it was the sort of thing that if I'd been busy, you know, if I had been... Uh, if I had something on my mind or if I was on my way to someplace, you know, I, I never even would have noticed the raccoons. I would have just driven on by, you know, would have just driven by the present moment on my way to somewhere else. You know, that, that experience really sort of, that did that by and of itself didn't keep me sober or anything, you know, but, uh, you know, it, it really planted seeds. There were a lot of periods where seeds were planted in my recovery. I realized that certain things are important. You know, and, and uh, so you said you you still uh, you hadn't strung together any uh, real length of time at this point, and that, this was five years ago. Yeah, no, okay. no, I have about three, a little over three years right now. Okay, okay. So but, I, I did drink after that, you know. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that you hear in the rooms quite a bit is this idea that you hit bottom and that's it, you know. Yeah, you, yeah. You stay sober permanently. Right. That's that hasn't been my experience at all. Right. You know, my experience is that it's sort of a path that I need to see clearly, that I need to be interested in, and uh, you know, if I get off the path, I just have to get back on. You know, yeah. and and, uh, and that's kind of the way I have to look. I seem to have to look at it. You know, if I uh, if I focus a lot on things like recovery time, things like that, then it. Uh, you know, it seems to uh, to make it all sort of more self-centered and right. sort of self-absorbed and right. kind of this, hey, look at me, you yep. know, yep. I've got 20 years of sobriety, yeah. you know, something like that. And I, I've always sort of had this problem with comparing myself to people, you know. Well, then you're so not alone. My, my recovery, <laughs> my recovery is all about... It's all about becoming who I truly am. Right. It's about becoming myself, right. not comparing myself to other people. And so I try to kind of avoid some of these things, you know. How much money do you make? How much recovery time do you have? I saw something today that uh, um, it's, a, it's a quote from uh, Jack Pornfield. Well, this, oh. <laughs> it's the one. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's the one. I saved it. Forrest put it, put this uh, on Facebook, and I, I I read it today, and it was just it was it was one of those like God, like it. He just so uh, Jack Cornfield. He, he's a uh, uh, well. How would you describe him? I mean, he's a Buddhist. Uh, but... Yeah, he's a he's a, a psychologist. Okay, uh, and he's a long time. Buddhist practitioner. He's one of the written a lot of books. One of the Buddhist. first crowd of of, of, of American American Buddhists who, who yeah. brought the who brought the, the the tradition to America. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of the early pioneers of it. Is, yeah. is he also sober? You know, I don't know if he's in. As far as I know, he's not involved in recovery at all. That was one of the things that uh, kind. Of, uh, I think it was it was my first in person. Uh, meeting of the uh, Honey Locust Sangha um, when uh, I think you might have said it to me before, but uh, there's, there's a, there's a, a fair amount of, of people who are in recovery who are, who are also practicing Buddhists and they, yeah. they generally, they often find them at the same time. 
Absolutely. Uh, but uh, yeah. the <clears throat> so this uh, this post that uh, from Jack Cornfield uh, before I posted it, it says, "Don't listen to those who stir you up. Don't listen to others who put you to sleep. Respect them all. Thank them all. And then remember, there's a bird singing a song that only you can hear." And that I think that's yeah. a, it's of paramount importance. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, and it's really critically important to my recovery. Sure, you know that. Uh, uh, you know, it's important to a really like that. Uh, that poem says, you know, appreciate mm -hmm. what you hear. You know, but uh, understand, you know, our path is not someone else's path. Right. You know, uh, and by that. It's nobody else's path. That's right. But, but our own. That's right. And it's it, that's that's it's a, it's a we program. Yeah. It's also a but it's a, it's our own path. Yeah. It's know? a selfish program, but it's and it's a we program, but it's a me program too. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, I, I was really moved by that. Well, obviously when I posted it, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I liked that poem so well that I excuse me three three years, um, but so you've been in in out of the program for the better yeah. part of thirty. Yeah, yeah. Like, even there. maybe a little more than that because I'm, I just turned sixty just a couple of days ago. Oh, happy birthday! <laughs> and uh, happy continuation. And I got into uh, recovery when I was twenty-three. Okay. So that's uh, that's closer to forty years, I think. Okay. And so, I mean, not that it necessarily matters, but have you spent? The time, how, have you spent the majority of the time since you started with recovery sober, or have you been, you know, give and take, or? Yeah, you know, it, it kind of really varies. I mean, uh, a lot of the time when I was in Florida, I was kind of, I was living with an old party buddy of mine, you know, and so that sort of made recovery out of the question, you know. And, uh, well, did you move to Florida to live with this guy or this yeah, person? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, yeah, you, you know, know exactly <laughs> what you had in store for you when yeah, you got right. to Florida. So, you know, where did I, you, where did you live in Florida? Uh, in Tampa. Okay. And I had to had to move away from there to to get sober and wound up moving back here. You know, but uh, I have spent a lot of time in recovery. Yeah. You know, and but also occasionally relapsing. You know, uh, in my case, at least, it's really easy to do. You know, I just uh, all I have to do is, if I want to relapse, all I have to do is lose interest in recovery. <laughs> that's mean, a good I, point. I, I didn't even think about that, that. I have to keep that spark going all the time, right. and that's that's one of the things. That's one of the main reasons why I got into uh, things like. Uh, teaching meditation right. and stuff like that is because uh, I saw that as sort of an integral part of my recovery process, you know, and, uh, and, you know, I could, I could sort of use that to sort of keep the spark alive. Sure. Know? I had to make the, I had to make the big books of Alcoholics Anonymous more inter interesting than it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, at least, at least a bit more compelling than it yeah. is. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'll, I, I think you and I probably fall firmly in the camp. I mean, at least I know that I fall firmly in the camp as, as the, I mean, the big book for, for, for all of its flaws. Yeah. The big book has been around for quite some time. And I think it's a, it's a valuable piece of what yeah. sobriety 
can be. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, and it's it's also, it's it's sort of outdated. It's you know, completely it's, outdated. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's kind of <laughs> like, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if you want to study medicine, you know, uh, <clears throat> you know, Aristotle was sort of a pioneer of... Uh, uh, in the field of medicine. Yeah, you but know, you're not going to be studying Aristotle no, you, <laughs> before right. you no. before you take your CMAT. <laughs> he, he wouldn't make it as today's a doctor today. Right. <laughs> he might be a pretty interesting uh, Walmart uh, reader, something like that, you know, yeah. talking about all this stuff. Right. Know, probably blow their minds. You right. Because he was truly brilliant, Aristotle. Yeah. You know, but, uh, you know, that's kind of the nature of wisdom. Everything changes. That's one of the, one of the pillars of uh, Buddhism, by the way, is that all things are impermanent. Impermanent, yeah. Change. It's all impermanent, yeah. Knowledge is like that, too. Knowledge changes about things. Well, that, that yeah. The nature was, of recovery changes. Yeah, exactly. The science of Exactly. It, you know. I don't think, I mean, I, I think that uh, um, when, it, when, it, uh, when it comes to what you said before about uh, your, your recovery is, in order to... How did you put it? Uh, in order to stay, you need to stay engaged with your recovery. Yeah, you need to keep that spark alive. Yeah, you well, know, that's and, you know, and just need to have an interest in it. Not you, not resting in your laurels is the is the, is the translation of that. You know, if you think about it, uh, if a person does well in something, it's generally because they have a real interest in it. Right. You know, for example, if somebody's a race car driver, you know, like Foyt sure. or something. Yeah. You know, he's not going to, you go and if you were to interview him, you're going to find that he has a real interest in racing cars. He's not going to say, uh, no, nah, it just, it just pays better than that Walmart. Well, yeah. He's not going <laughs> to yeah. say that. No. Yeah. In, in order to be good at anything. Right. You have to have an interest. You have to have an interest in that. Yeah, for, for sure. Forrest is uh, very uh, active um, on Facebook. Is I mean, I think you, you moderate like three groups or uh, you yeah. have one page or two pages and then a couple of groups. Yeah, I have, a, I'm a, uh, an administrator on three groups. Okay. And then I'm also an editor on uh, the World Pantheism page. I'm not sure I know what that is. Uh, well, you know what? I'll send you an invite to it. Sure. To check it out. Okay. And that's kind of a. What? Well, what is it? I mean, what's the? What's the world? Pan. What's it called? The pan. The, the world pantheist movement. The world pantheist movement. I don't know about this. Tell yeah. me about this. Well, pantheism is. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess the kind of the. Kind of the broad view of it is that uh, that nature or the universe is God, you know, uh, but. Uh, uh, the part that I'm involved in is, is much more scientific than that. And, and it's just, it really, pantheists kind of revere nature. They think that it's really important, you know. Taoism. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's actually Taoism is very popular in, uh, in pantheist circles. Yeah. So is Buddhism too, but more so Taoism. Mm -hmm. Have you ever read uh, the Tao Te Ching? I haven't, no. I've, I've read some... You know some things uh, that are Taoist, and I've, I've read some quotes and things like that. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a tough read just because it's 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 very abstract. It's it's a it's not an easy read. It's, it's very poetic. And it's very poetic. And yeah. just uh, you know, yeah. 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 Which I, I is the point is yeah. I mean whoever yeah. wrote the 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 the, the, the 
the Tao Te Ching. Was that was that Laos? That was Lao Tzu, right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, I think it's deliberately vague. It's deliberate, deliberately poetic. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's because, you know, these sorts of things are really difficult to just sort of to explain, you yeah. know, in sort of concrete ways. You know, uh, a friend of mine from the rooms, Ernie, always says, uh, uh, language oh, is too small a vessel. And that's really true. You know, language, uh, when you're talking about things like, like they're talking about in Taoism, language kind of falls short right it does like using a a hammer to try and move a mountain right you know it's not really doesn't really get at it you know it's like trying trying to drink the ocean with uh try to drink the ocean with a a thimble (laughs) (laughs) it's it's not gonna happen yeah Uh, but anyway and so so use of poetry sort of uh, kind of steers your, your mind into that sort of perspective right. and that, that way of looking at it, you know, in ways that you can't get to. You can't really rationally think your way into that. You right. know, it's something that you, it's an insight that you come to, you know, and uh, the best way to learn about that is, is through poetry. So how, how, does that, how does that approach to um, the, spiritual, the spiritual aspect uh, to spirituality in general, how does that translate to your program for you? I mean, it, you you said that. I mean, you, it's um, it's only a, it, as interesting, uh, really, as as you want to make it. And so, yeah, uh, talk, yeah. Talk, talk, talk about that. Yeah, well, you know, I uh, interest is is something that I cultivate. Now, one of the things I really like about Thich Nhat Hanh is he always uses the word cultivate. You know. And, uh, if you water a seed of happiness, if you want to be happy, water a seed of happiness, you mm-hmm. know, recovery is being like that. You know, you, if, if you want to recover, you have to water that seed, you know, you have to, have to keep an interest in it, you know, and, uh, and, uh, in my case, at least it involved, uh, looking at other sources outside of sort of traditional recovery sources of material and sort of integrating it in there and uh, for example i look at the, the philosophy of acceptance as being uh, a huge part of my recovery and also my buddhist practice too you know and they're they're identical you know when they're used in the same way uh explain to me the serenity prayer could very easily be found in some sort of ancient <laughs> book ancient sure. sutra or something sure. like that you know that might leave the word god out of it you know right Accept the things we cannot change. <laughs> change the things we can. Have the wisdom to know the difference. You know. Uh, uh, my my ex always called the the serenity request. Ah. The yeah. serenity request. Yeah. Ah. So it, you know, it really keeping an interest in recovery really just involves sort of uh, uh, trying to look around and and sort of trying to keep it interesting. A lot of people aren't like that. You know, a lot of people. I've noticed a lot of people in the rooms, for example, one of the, one of the things in the room is keep it simple. And I, I, I would add to that personally for myself, keep it as simple as you can <laughs> and well, it's still useful, you know, because, uh, you know, there is a, a few things I just needed to sort of add in there. You know, I need to, I need to water that seed of recovery in order to, uh, in order to stay on the path of recovery. You know, and uh, you know, I wanted to talk while we're on the subject of recovery here. I wanted to talk about yeah. another another experience that I had. Uh, I've had a lot of them. I've been <laughs> through a number of treatment centers and 
uh, bad doctors tell me if you don't quit drinking, it's going to kill you. You know, that's has happened a couple of times. I've been in the hospital quite a few times. One time I was uh, homeless and I was living in, uh, in a place called the Stevens Center, which is in South Omaha. And, uh, and I'd been sober for about 30 days living there, you know, and, and I was all scheduled to go to work, to go to, uh, go to school. I was set up to go to school at Metro Tech across the street to study welding. And I decided to, uh, just this one day, you know, just kind of party for one day, you know, kind of a, you know, then, then I'll kind of be hung over and just go to school and sure. that sort of thing. And, and, uh, <laughs> I, I went, I, I, I bought a bottle of booze, you know, and yeah. I, uh, and I went down underneath this bridge that was not far away from there. <sighs> I wound up staying underneath the bridge for about three weeks straight, drinking the whole time, pretty much. And I had a little bit of money with me, you know, saved up, you know, and that sort of thing. I just kind of stayed down there, and I, boy, I, I went crazy down there. You know, I was just sort of didn't talk to anybody, really. Uh, the whole time that I was down there, okay, I was thinking... My, my thought was, no one will miss me. I'm doing the universe a favor. No one will even know that I'm missing. Yeah. But in fact, in point of fact, that wasn't actually true. What happened there was uh, uh, my my parents put out a missing persons report on me. There was sort of a, a manhunt for me going on. And uh, there was another person from the Stevens Center who was found dead in a park nearby. And uh, my mom thought that might be me because the, the police notified her before they had identified the person and stuff like that. Uh, she almost had some, she had some physical difficulties as a result of that, you know, sort of. And uh, uh, she went up to the club, to the 48th Street Club. Both of them did. They went up there and, you know, where is he at? You know, <laughs> and they were trying to find me. And, and so I was just sort of caught up. The whole point of me telling this story is that I was really caught up in my self-centered thinking, yeah. you know, that uh, that uh, I'm in this all alone. I'm doing the world a favor. I'm not hurting anyone but myself. Anyway, I was uh, I wound up being taken out of there for, out from underneath the bridge in a stretcher. <laughs> That's what happened there, you know. And uh, uh, and I was in the hospital for a while and. While I was in the hospital, you know, it just sort of really occurred to me that uh, it was another one of these epiphanies, one of these periods of insight where uh, I realized that uh, this isn't really my life. You know, I don't really own it. You know, it's actually, I'm actually part of a larger, everything that I do affects everything else. Impermanence is as important as, as interconnectedness. Everything is interconnected, right. you know. Uh, if I hurt myself, I'm also hurting someone else, right. you know, and that, that became really apparent to me, you know, and I was, I was really kind of overwhelmed with grief by how, how poorly I had treated my family there. Sure. You know, yeah. Well, that, that, that was, I mean, my, my, uh, when, when I had my light bulb moment, um, when I was in treatment, um, and I, I, I talked about this a little bit on my first episode, but I was, uh, I remember the day uh, I was sitting outside. Uh, I was by myself. I had just, I had just uh, done. Well, maybe you probably did this. Um, I, did, we, did you ever go to Valley Hope? No, I didn't go to Valley Hope. Okay. Um, maybe, maybe this happened to you in treatment. I don't know. Uh, but I, 
we, we did uh, my four step and then uh, set the paper on left the paper on fire as a you know ceremonial okay well that's you know it's it's all done now so uh, but so the, well the the four step the t uh, fearless and searching oral inventory of of uh, your of your yourself your life what you've done when I got done doing that I was just like God like <laughs> I just looked i i did a quick mental tally of all the names of the just the, the just the short list of the people that i had affected uh with with my alcoholism and i just just one one far-reaching overreaching thought which was how did i fuck my life up this badly how did how did how did i how did it how, how did it come to this you know and that that gets to what you're saying about interconnectedness um, is, you know, we 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 when we're when we're at our worst, you know, we want to think. That's right. Nobody's gonna think. nobody's gonna care. That's right. Nobody's gonna care. Right. We aren't. We're only hurting ourselves. Right. You know. And I sort of got a realization that uh, uh, then that uh, you know that all, all along I'd been sort of in denial of that. You know, there's always this. I always had this really clear idea that everything was unfair to me. You know, it was like everybody was out to get me. You know, and uh, and it just wasn't fair. You know, they were. Yeah. I began to to start to think. You know, it sort of it was kind of like watering a seed. It wasn't like uh, all of a sudden I was a changed person. You know, sure. I started walking on clouds and yeah, stuff. Yeah. But uh, the pink cloud. <laughs> But I sort of realized I have obligations in this life. Right. You know, I have I have an obligation to, to do good things, <clears throat> to stay sober. Everything that we do affects the world in some way, in some small way. Right. You know, everything well, we say, every thought that we have. And none of us ask for it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's that's one of the things about about Alcoholics Anonymous. I think is is one of the that's one of the funniest uh, little uh, cliche sayings you hear all the time. That's it's the it's it's the only club where there's millions of members worldwide. None of them, none of whom really wanted to join in the first place. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so that was you know that you know those were some experiences that you know I really wanted to talk about some experiences that sort of that were I think really a paramount importance to me in recovery. Book learning was important too, you know, but uh, so much of it was just this sort of reality therapy thing. I want to talk about another experience I had. Go uh, ahead, yeah. Okay. Uh, the, the, that you're, you're, the, the topic of, of this is your experience and my experience in recovery. That's yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. And Buddhism, obviously. Uh, you know, I have a really good family, you know, but uh, and that sort of thing, but I have been homeless at for short periods of time mm -hmm. because of my drinking. I mean, I, I get kicked out of everything, you know. And uh, uh, one time I was living at uh, the Francis house, with which if you've never been there, it's that place is a zoo, man. It's, I'm only, it's a real dive. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I had a really good time down there <laughs> as long as I was shit-faced drunk. Oh, it's, sure. It's the only wet, only, uh, wet homeless shelter uh, that I'm aware of. You know, you, you can just be shit faced, drunk all the time, and get you know? and still get a bed. Yeah, yeah. You, they don't want you can't keep the bottle right out right. and open. You know, you got to keep it in your pocket or something. You know, but other than that, uh, you can, you can do what you want to, and and uh, 
when I was living down there, you know, I, you know, I'd give people beer and cigarettes and talk to them and, and just have a good old time. And, and, uh, to me, it was kind of like a vacation, you know, sort of, you know, I think I even said that to people. Yeah, it's like a vacation coming down here. Yeah. <laughs> they just look at me, yeah, give me another cigarette, you know? Right. <laughs> and, uh, and then the day came when I ran out of money and cigarettes and, and booze and everything and, and just sort of, and sobering up in that place was like dying and going to hell because you all of a sudden realize, you know, that uh, what a mess you created with your life. Right. You know, like I remember I, I uh, one time I woke, I think it was that, that morning, you know, when I ran out of everything that I, I was in this lower bunk. Somebody pissed in the bed above me and it sort of dribbled down and landed on my forehead. And, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got up and, and went into the restroom, which is also kind of like a piss all over the place sure. and just sure. shit, you know. And, and it was just like being in hell. You know? And it, you know, that's just sort of an example of how, how I use this, how I use substances to escape reality. My practice of meditation and my practice of recovery is all about facing uh, reality. You know, looking clearly at reality. Actually, there, in AA, there's a, there's a slogan that's pretty good that uh, is uh, that it goes along with as an acronym for fear. Face everything and recover, or fuck everything and run. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's pretty much uh, my experience with it. You know, yeah. uh, the more I run away from these things, uh, the deeper in trouble I get. You know, if I can come to a point where I appreciate it, I can accept it and appreciate it. You know, and act on it. Yeah, and act on it. <clears throat> I think that's and, the important part. And, that's and that's the part of our, about recovery that's that's the hardest. And <clears throat> but once you get going, yeah. I mean, you know, I, Stephen King uh, is a great author, and and uh, in his book, uh, it's called On Writing. It's about the, it's his you know writing about the craft of writing. He co- he always comes goes back to the saying it's it's hard getting started. And that's true for everything. I mean, it's it's hard getting started on anything because when you're first starting out with something, you have no idea what you're doing. So, and I, I've I've heard of a variation on that sentiment said by many people about uh, getting sober, is uh, when they, when they first get to when they first come to the program or they first come to the just the just sobriety in general, a lot of people thinking is. I don't know how to get sober. I don't know how, I, I don't know. I All I know is that I don't want to drink and yeah. I don't know how to not drink. Yeah. And that's kind of, I mean, that's, you know, that's getting yeah. started and yeah. it's, you know, it's scary. It's a really scary place to be, I think. Yeah. You get this, this habit of avoiding life. Right. You know, uh, using substances, drinking is sort of, is a way of, uh, of, not looking at reality, you know, and, uh, shit, man, you know, that's the whole point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the whole point of, of drinking and using. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it really is. You know, you know. and uh, you know, people are, that's a really simple idea that people don't seem to really get, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I didn't get true. it. I didn't get it when I was, when I was drinking, I thought, I thought for the longest time that, uh, drinking made me more in control of my life. I had better control if I was drunk. I could drive better when I was drunk. You know, I had this idea that if I was drunk, if I was drunk enough to where I had to 
close one eye, you know, I could still drive pretty sure. good, you know, because I was able to, with, with the one eye, you know, I could sort of see the center of the road really well, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. no, I, but, uh, I completely understand. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, well, it's, when, when you're, when you're first, when you're first getting sober, and this is, I think this is the, 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 the truest part about, this is true for meditation too. I mean, true for anything, but you know, since we're on the topic, uh, it's true for meditation because I think the, the most common complaint I hear from anybody who, uh, attempts to meditate is the, is the monkey mind and yeah. everybody and it's almost like this. This it's almost like the terminal uniqueness of of alcoholism uh, that when you encounter the people that have this, you know, twisted, distorted view of reality. That, but it's but it's me, you know. It's, it's but it, but I I'm the one suffering. It's like, but you're not special. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <Yeah. laughs> it's it's tough for everybody. Stop stop trying to meditate and just meditate. Yeah. And right. it's it's a maddeningly simple principle. Yes. Yeah. And I don't think most people really get it. I mean, I'm, yeah. People say all the time, you know, I'm just not a very good meditator, you know, because I my my, my thoughts wander all over the place. Right. And they sort of you know, what they don't really realize is that that in itself is a part of meditation. Right. That's you have to get through that to get through the other to get through to the rest of it. You know, like. Uh, sure. There's there's several stages that you go through in, in early meditation, and I go through all of them every time I meditate. Pretty much, you know, it's not like you get to one and you finish. finish no, it. it's it's more like, but uh, like one of them is nothing's happening, absolutely nothing's happening. Okay, that's that's the kind of the right. first stage. Another stage is you realize that your your mind is just completely insane. You know, it's just yeah. all over the place and. There's all these thoughts that you weren't even aware of earlier, you know, all the stuff that's underneath the surface that's, uh, you know, what happened to you when you were six years old, you know, how you got scolded for stealing that cookie and stuff. That's, you know? that's, your, <laughs> that's your neocortex, just, just fighting tooth and nail not to let you meditate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pay attention to me. I'm, I'm your conscious mind and I have shit to say. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, but none of it's really important. You know, I mean, I can get to it later if I want to. And you have to go through that. You have to have these bad, right. ex bad meditation experiences to right. get to the good ones. Right. You know, it's yeah. kind of, so it's important for people to to realize that, you know, because a lot of times they just give up because they say, well, it just doesn't work for me. Yeah. You know? I, I, I can't meditate because cause of, of, of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You know? And it's... Yeah. That's just, it's just not true. Yeah, I mean, it, working through that is, is meditation. Exactly, exactly. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean. Uh, so, Zen proverb, the obstacle in the path is the path. In this, right. in this, in this case, uh, uh, your monkey mind is the path. Right. That's the path. Yeah. That's, that's what you need to look at. Not, and, and saying you can't meditate is another avoidance behavior, just like, uh, just like drinking to avoid, uh, 
worrying about your ex-wife. Well, I think the I think one of the most important techniques to do, as far as trying, I don't want to say to get good at meditation because how do you get good? It's just sitting, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it is, but there there is an element of it where you just I, I think it was Sam Harris. I I, I think he read I, I think I read in one of his books. But it's it's the same. It's you know being distracted is the is meditation coming back over and over yeah. and over and over and over again to your breath. And that's why, I mean, and I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but Vipassana meditation is the practice of, of insight meditation where you, where, where you check in with yourself on, yeah. a, on a regular basis, correct? So tell me about this, that a little bit more for us, because I'm, I'm not Zen meditation, just the act of, of sitting down and being conscious of your breath is, is my go-to, but uh, I want to, I want to know more about Vipassana. Yeah. You know, you know, I, I also have an interest in, uh, in Shikantaza or just sitting, you know, which is that the traditional Zen meditation. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. of Japan and stuff. I didn't know Later, it had a name. What was the name of that? Shikantaza. Shikantaza. And that's, that's what like Dosho Mike Port, uh, uh practices. And okay. He kind of specializes in that. Okay. And, uh, a lot of the Zen people do, okay. you know. There's and there, there's other people in Buddhism. I uh, think about Vipassana, and sometimes uh, Thich Nhat Hanh is is a Zen master, but he also uh, uh, he focuses on Vipassana meditation. You know, focusing on your breath. And, well, and, it's, uh, I mean, it's, but yeah, I mean, pretend I'm pretend I'm I'm five years old, and I just ask you what what is what is Vipassana meditation? What does it mean to you? Okay. Very simple. Uh, Vipassana meditation is the act of uh, of just focusing on your breathing. And every time your mind starts to wander, you just come back to your breathing, you know. And it's it's not easy, uh, but in my my experience, see, I'd like to get into this this shikataz, this just sitting. Uh, but uh, what what is the difference <clears throat> between vipassana yeah. and this uh, and shikantaza? Well, the way I understand it is. Uh, is with shikantaza you just become you just sit and become aware right uh, and like kosho yushiyami talks about uh, uh focusing on keeping your your posture really straight okay you know? and but not not so much on your breathing and you want to try and you're trying to be to just establish awareness of everything of okay. all things so general so zen zen, and, uh, zen buddhism is general awareness of everything and vipassana is general awareness of your breath and, yeah and focusing yeah. on on your breath and your and your body and how it feels to meditate yeah and in my experience anyway it's much easier doing vipassana I, you know i don't doubt that that's a wonderful path that shikantaza that dosho mike port does and I, I'd like to get into more of it, you know. I'm at a point where, you know, the thing about Vipassana is there's instructions, you know. I mean, you can sort of, you know, if you're having, if you're feeling a little strange, go back to your breathing, you know. Uh, well, we knew, and, uh, you said there's instructions, so where? Well, I mean, well, it just that, just that simple instruction, go back to your breathing. Return to your breath, okay. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and you don't have that with... Uh, Shikantaza. It's even more. It's even simpler than Vipassana, in the sense. I was going to say, so Shikantaza you is. You don't focus on anything. There's a general awareness of everything. Yeah, okay. and and it's also just, yeah, it's just, uh, and it doesn't. 
You know what? It's not on a fixed object. Okay. That's the thing. Vipassana uh, uses focus on a, on a fixed object. It, in most cases, it's your breath, you know. Okay. In some cases, it's... Uh, but it, it can be it can be your the physical sensation of sitting and it can yeah, be absolutely it can be so it can be your breath it can be just your I mean so the two are two aren't terribly far removed no and uh, the uh, they think you know history thinks that uh, vipassana is what the buddha taught to his his followers and he developed these uh, contemplations these 16 contemplations which which are mindfulness of breathing Mindfulness of mind, mindfulness of the body, you know, and various various things, you know, various parts of the body, and and, uh, uh, and that's another great thing in my mind about vipassana is that it's sort of specific, you know. Mm-hmm. That's sort of what I meant that there's instructions. You okay. know, it's kind of like it tells you what to do, you know. I <laughs> whereas vipassana, whereas uh, shikataza, it's kind of like you know you just go and sit in a cave and right. you ask the master, you know, what. So what am I supposed to do here? I, I I'm going to use this. You will do nothing. <laughs> I was I'm going to use this opportunity. There are no <laughs> use this opportunity to uh, to plug uh, two two books. Um, the first the first is uh, the Naked Buddha um, by the venerable I forget her name. It's where everybody who wants to learn what Buddha is or what Buddhism is who the Buddha was, and what the core, the nuts and bolts of Buddhism and, and meditation really is. And then there's another book, and this, this one's called What the Buddha Taught. And uh-huh. I, I, it's, it, I think it's, it, it's it, in my mind, it, it's, it, because I'm, I'm, I'm very much of a, 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 a historian, that's where I got my bachelor's degree, and I've always been... Um, you know, the, that's what this podcast is. This podcast is getting Forrest's, Forrest's history. Yeah. You know? And I think that's why the, the, what the Buddha taught is such a valuable book is because yeah, it just it is, says, yeah, like, agree. this is, this is what the Buddha said. Okay. This is not anybody's interpretation of it. It doesn't, it says, this isn't Jack Cornfield or, or Joseph Goldstein or Technia. This is what the Buddha said. Okay, and so I, I I would recommend those 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 two books uh, for sure because I think they're they're in my mind the most effective way to get uh, your your you know your beginners Buddhist uh, information. So if you know you can walk away from the reading those two texts and say, okay, well this is this is definitely I can get down with this. You know? Yeah, I I agree with that. What the Buddha taught by Wapula. I know. Ra- Raula, something like something that. Like that. Yeah. yeah, but uh, you can you can look it up by the title, you know, yeah. and find it. Yeah. It's a great it's, book. It's a great book. I have it on. I have it out there. Um, oh, uh, the difference in the differences in, in oh. meditation in Vipassana versus. Uh, oh, Shikantaza. Shikantaza. Yeah, I just think I think it's difficult to do. Not that it's a bad path. It's, I personally find that. It's, the possum is a little easier. There's a lot more material about how to do it. With just sitting, you know, there's just sort of this, uh, you know, they'll just tell you, just read Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, you know, and you, and you get kind of this, uh, you know, it's all kind of this poetry, and, and 
you kind of you wind up sitting there not really knowing what you're doing, you know, <laughs> I mean, kind of kind of feeling self conscious, you know, and you know what exactly am I supposed to be doing? I haven't, there, you know, that, that. with the sitting experience, you know, it's like I said, I'm not trying to compare those two things, but uh, vipassana seems to me to be the seat, the easier, softer way. Yeah, at this point in time, yeah, I think it know. is. I think it is too. I'm sorry. And it has an enormous amount of literature surrounding it, you know. And there's all kinds of great books about. Yeah, uh, I also, in my mind, I also look at at just sitting or shikantaza as being something I'd like to get into more of an advanced type of meditation. Yeah, and I've noticed that it's really uh, in the literature of vipassana meditation. They also talk about uh, they talk about using the breath as an anchor. And moving your awareness outward oh, from there, a, you know, becoming yeah. more aware of other things. But as you drift off in thought, <clears throat> come back to your breathing, right. you know. And that that sort of, that idea makes it easier for me uh, because that's that's what shikantaza's like too, you know. Uh, a lot of people really recommend it, not just the Zen people. Uh, people like Krishnamurti, you know, he's he really recommends that. Uh, a really great book on Vipassana meditation. It's okay. Yeah. It's very possible that... Uh, I, I should have written it down when it was prepared. I've told, I've told Jen. Larry, it's Larry, somebody. It's Three Steps to Awakening uh, is one of the books. Uh, the other one is, is Breath by Breath. Mm. Uh, breath by Breath, The Liberating Practice of Insight Meditation. Okay. okay. And that's all about Vipassana. And, and this guy, Larry, whatever his last name is, uh, you can look it up. By the by, the title, uh, uh, he's a really really great teacher, and he speaks. He writes in a way that people in the West can understand more yeah. clearly. You know, he's he's a Jewish guy that grew up in New York City, and uh, there's a, a, he's another an, one of an these amount guys. of Jews that uh, of Jewish people that uh, became uh, Buddhist teachers. Uh, Joseph ah. Goldstein and, and Jack Cornfield and, yeah. and uh, yeah. Ram Das and uh, yeah. yeah, you know I didn't really think about it that way, but that's really that's yeah, that's, that's that always occurs to me, especially when I, I mean, and in, in the case of Ram Das specifically, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, so actually uh, we're getting to uh, well, we're getting to. An hour and a half. Um, okay. So, but I mean, there's there's certainly nothing that says that that you know that is, has to be the, the finish line. So, and you have something you want to talk about? Is that your really. No, you had this look on your face like you wanted you had something that you wanted to talk about. No. Oh well, you know, I wanted to put in a plug real quickly. Put in a plug for my my book. And oh yeah. My and my. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, my book is called. Uh, Nakedness of the Moon. And tell them, tell them about it. Cosmic Reflections and Poetry. And it's just a, it's just sort of a collection of uh, poetry and also reflections. A lot, of, some, a lot of which are about meditation. Some of them are about recovery. A lot of them are about acceptance, the philosophy of acceptance. <laughs> and I have a page, uh, forestnap.com, that has kind of a direct link to the, to the book on Amazon. And also, uh, I have a bunch of uh, free samples that that are downloadable on there that uh, so you can sort of look at some of the stuff on forestnap.com yeah okay cool i uh, i have uh book i i have forest book and it's it's wonderful um the the, art, the artwork is uh, very impressive and uh i don't know i i just i 
I I get excited whenever uh, one of my one a, a person that I know and I respect uh, puts something out, um, puts out a um, uh, a work or uh, anything really. Uh, so any 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 creative uh, yield that uh, comes out of the people that are close to me, I, I get all excited. So uh, definitely check out uh, the book. It's called. Uh, um, Nakedness of the Moon. Nakedness of the Moon. It's Forrest by Forrest Knapp. K N A P P. And it's on Amazon. And the page is forrestknapp.com. It's forrestknapp.com. That's with two R's F O R R E S T K N A P P.com. And what are the. Uh, well, th- since, since we're on the topic, uh, and we're going to be on the topic because I'm going to bring it up. Um, <laughs> what, uh, tell, uh, tell me, tell me again about, uh, your, uh, your Facebook groups, the ones that you admin and the one that you created yourself. Oh, okay. Well, one of, one of the main ones, the first one really was, uh, uh, secular Buddhism, uh, secular Buddhism, Nebraska. Okay. And what is it and why? It's, it's just, it's a group uh, of people who were interested in Buddhism, uh, and, and mostly not not overly interested in the religious aspects of it, which in my mind, and I know we've talked about this before, but in, in my mind, Buddhism isn't, isn't either secular nor non-secular. I think it's, it's all kind of agnostic from the word go. So, well, so I, when I'm, you refer I'm not to impressed with this use of the word secular and non-secular no. with Buddhism, but, uh, but I didn't, I didn't create that pay. I didn't give it that name, you know? Uh, oh, Okay. I just uh, did it. The person who did just asked me to be an administrator. On okay, it, so, so the, that that wasn't your brainchild. No. Okay. Not at all. Okay. What What do you mean by the more religious aspects of Buddhism? I mean, you, are you talking about like reincarnation? And, yeah. Okay. So yeah. The, the metaphysical aspects of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's really kind of a complicated subject, but you know, the way I look at at Buddhism and the Buddha Dharma, the the stuff that are, that Buddha originally taught, really, the way I look at it is that it's it's more of a science than anything else. You know, uh, he says uh, one of his quotes is, "Don't believe it because I say it's true. Yeah, test it. Uh, uh, it goes, see if it works for you." There's something very scientific about, and nothing that he said was supernatural. After that point, Buddhism is sort of a collection of all these other things. You know, and they're they're. There's all kinds of different Buddhist groups, you know, that are, some of them are cults, some of them are terrorist groups, you know. Yeah. There's even a few of those, you know. Yeah. So Tibetan Buddhism tends to be, I really like Tibetan Buddhism. You know, I like a lot of the people that are involved in it, like Pima Chodron and the Dalai Lama. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they're wonderful. Mm-hmm. I think they've got great books and things like that. There are some supernatural beliefs in, in right. there, you know, there's... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not even sure what they all are. You well, know, the but. belief, the belief about the Dalai Lama is he's the 14th reincarnation of yeah. of, 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 a, of a a Zen, not, not a Tibetan Buddhist uh, yeah. monk. Right? Yeah, I'm not saying that's true or not true. <laughs> you know, you know <clears throat> the Dalai Lama, if he was asked about that, you know, he will say he'll kind of. Try and sort of, you know, not talk too much about the issue, you know, right. you know, because, you know, he has his people sort of rely on him, and a lot of his people are sort of really kind of pretty simple, you mm-hmm. know, and they sort of, 
yeah. you know, they kind of look at things in, in supernatural ways and really kind of focus on, uh, so, you know, and he has to sort of keep up that, that sort of appearance, you yeah. know, uh, the way I look at Buddhism is I, I just appreciate all of it, you know, sure. and I don't, but I don't like everything that I hear in Buddhism. I take what I, what I like and, and, uh, hold on to that and. It's like it's like the program of alcohol. That's right. Anonymous. Take what you need and take leave the rest. Take what you need and leave the rest. That's that's, yeah. that's my that's my uni, that's my unifying pro, over overarching principle uh, when it comes to yeah. uh, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. Um, and on that note, yeah. Um, so well, uh, I was I wanted to bring up, but this is not uh, certainly uh, the last time that for us will be on uh, my Zen brain. Uh, so we can uh, revisit the uh, the topic of a, a lot of the things that uh, Forrest and I have talked about uh, are books. Um, there's not a lot of uh, um, there the, there's a lot of pop popular culture references to Buddhism like uh, like Ram Dass and, and Joseph Goldstein and, and uh, oh no! What I was going to say, one of the well, one of the uh, the books that I read, um, and this is goes back to, uh, there's a lot of books, and uh, in, in <laughs> if you want to know about Buddhism, but this one is really really user friendly, um, and I'm gonna, uh, it's actually one of the books that I'm gonna uh, write the book report for, and I'm going to, uh, it's one of the things that I plan on doing with the Patreon. Uh, my Zen Brain pages. Uh, I'm going to have a, a small paywall, as I've pointed out. Offer uh, book reports on a lot of the books that I've been reading a lot over the last uh, seven, eight years. Uh, because I don't know. I it, uh, when it when it comes down to when it comes to really any any of my uh, my personal pursuits, I I. I I get tunnel vision, and I've I've had tunnel vision about Buddhism and learning about Buddhism uh, quite a bit since uh, since I first uh, started meditating. So, anyway, is there's anything else you would uh, like to close out this episode with, Forrest? Nothing. No. Okay. As I said, this is going to. Uh, I will hopefully have. I hope I have the uh, the Patreon my Zen Brain page uh, up soon. Uh, I should point out, uh, not that this is going to affect uh, a whole lot of anybody uh, at all, really, uh, other than me. The One of the technical issues that I'm having with my new Rodecaster sound mixing board is uh, I want to take it on the road, and I have, I'm having some issues with the memory card, the memory card, and when... In, in, until I get the issues with the memory card solved, uh, I'm not going to be taking uh, the roadcaster uh, on the road, and that's my uh, preferred method of uh, uh, doing interviews. Um, it's very possible that within a couple weeks I will be having to ship the roadcaster to Australia uh, because that's where the roadcaster is built, and that's where they can work on it if they need to work on it. So it's very possible that I'm going to be taking a break and I just got started but uh, anyway thank you for listening and I will be back here next week hopefully uh, barring uh, uh, the roadcaster being out of commission and as I always look to point out uh, keep your head about you <laughs>